Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Let me bless you. Let me bless you as we get ready to go this evening. Excited about tonight. I hope you are too. But let's ble- let me bless you. I bless you now in the name of Jesus. That you would know Jesus more wonderfully tonight. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need tonight. Whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and love and joy and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. All right, good evening everybody. We are in a series that we started last week in Genesis chapter 1, which begins with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we saw last week, we go through the rest of chapter 1 and we see over six days, God creating. He would speak, he would say, let there be light, and then there was light. He separates light from darkness day one. Day two, he separates the waters from the waters below and the waters above. He makes an expanse. He calls it sky. On day three, he has the seas go to one place, and and then there's the ground. The ground comes up, and then on the ground, he puts trees, plants, things like that. Uh, Day four, sun, moon, and stars in the sky. Day five, fish in the sea and birds in the air. Day six, animals and people. Day seven, God rested from all that he had created. When we talked about this last week, we said the straightforward testimony of the Bible is that God created the heavens and the earth in six 24-hour days. And looking at the genealogies which we looked at, that would have taken place 6,026 years ago. Now, very difficult in our generation for, for many people who have been educated as we've been educated to believe that claim that the earth might only be 6,026 years old, especially when we were bombarded by all these extremely confident scientists who confidently will proclaim a multi-billion year existence of planet earth, 4.543 or give or take a billion or something like that, a million or billion years old, and they just say that as a a fact, and we have been educated to view uh, all that we see all around us through very old lenses. And so what do we do then as thinking people? who want to have intellectual integrity as we look at the Bible, as we look at what God's Word says, and then as we consider science, as we consider what what we see in in the world around us, the world that God has created, where the scientists might say the earth is billions of years old, but the Bible says it's not. What do we do? What do we do? And so many Bible-believing Christians who love Jesus have taken several tacts, uh, several, gone several different directions when it comes to how do I work through this 
with my Bible, which I want to believe is true, and science, which is what I'm hearing and being taught all, all the time in schools. So usually there's about five different ways that Bible-believing Christians uh, look at when they, when they look at the Bible, and specifically Genesis chapter 1. And we took a survey here in this church. You can see the results on the screen behind me. Last week we took a survey. 208 people as of Thursday in our church did this survey. This reflects our starting point as a, as a family. And basically everybody thinks that what they thought is going to be the orange group there on the thing. But orange is the group of people who think that it's not 24-hour days. But God created the heavens and the earth, and those days represent long, long eras of time. Probably millions of years, maybe a billion years, or billions of years, depending on, uh, we, we, didn't inter we didn't ask any more questions. So, uh, long periods of time. The green, the green portion is those who would say, no, I stand on the Bible as factually true and in, in detail here, and I believe that the Bible says six days, 24-hour uh, days, and not that long ago. That would be about 25%. I think it's 27, 26.4%. The yellow and gr red group together uh, is 16.4%, and they would say basically Genesis 1, it's a nice story, not factually true. Uh, the... The yellow group would say it's a, it's, it's a myth. It's really helpful. It's, it's a nice spiritual connection so we can understand the themes of the Bible. Uh, whereas the red group would say it's poetry. Um, poetry can also be historically true. But, but you know, like we're, we're, we're a little bit less on the historical side, more on the poetical side. Uh, and then the, the dark blue group, I thought it would be bigger, but um, that's fine. Uh, they, would, they would say that there is billions of years between verse 1 and verse 2 in the Bible. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Insert billions of years. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be billion. It, it, insert a long period of indefinite amount of time. And then now the earth was tohu vavohu, formless and void, wild and waste. So that's in our family here in this church. Now, uh, people in, in our church or people who are watching online who I consider part of our church and the, those, who have, those who have voted for our survey. So we look at that and um, that's, that's a reflection of us. In fact, actually I watched the survey numbers as they came in and the percentages. And as the more that came in, it just stayed in this percentage uh, scope. I think this is a pretty good reflection of where we're at. And, and so as we talk about Genesis 1, we, we, we are a family. And we are not in a starting point of agreement of our basic assumptions of how to read chapter 1 of the book of Genesis. And that's okay. I can completely understand every way that somebody would have had one of those five views. Uh, somebody who loves the Bible, somebody who has intellectual integrity, and somebody who's trying to work it through. I can understand why they would choose any of those views. It doesn't seem weird to me that we're all in different places, especially I know the context of, of, of life. Most educated Christians think and believe that science has, in some way or another, proven the straightforward testimony of the Bible to be untrue. But has it? And that's what we're talking about in, in this study. Has science proven the straightforward testimony of the Bible to be untrue? For this series, 
what we're going to do is we're, we're not going to think about all the theories when it comes to how we can interpret the Bible. We're going to just say, okay, let's look at the straightforward reading just for the sake of, of this series. Uh, and then we're going to look at different fields of science. And all we want to ascertain is in different fields of science, does this field of science prove that the Bible can't be true as straightforwardly written? I am not out to, uh, to prove that the Bible is true as straightforwardly written. I am not out to say this is what you must believe if you care about God or the Bible or Jesus or, or the person next to you. And we're not going that way at all. That, that would be a jerk move, right? We're not, we're not, we're not being punks here. Uh, w- this is just do the facts prove the Bible is untrue as written or do the, d- does the Bible and what it says, does the, does the testimony of the Bible fit very comfortably within the facts of science? Today, uh, today we are going to talk about geology, geology, rocks and dirt and stuff. So we're going we're to have a good time in our study of, of, of geology. Are we friends? Are we happy? We are. We are. Because, you know, we're not punks. We love one another, and that's, and that's what families do. All right, so um, we're going to start off today with what the Bible says connected to geology and, and how we got to this. How do we get to this, the dirt and rocks that we see? Day three of creation, we look at. Genesis chapter one, starting in verse nine. It says this, it says, Then God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Okay, so first of all, it seems that the ground is underwater. And then God declared a separation, and the, and the, the, the waters to be put into one place, and then the, the ground to come up. Um, some people ask me, uh, and have asked me, does this mean that there might have been one area of water and then one area of, of land, like one massive continent and then with a flood and it busts all apart and then, there, then things, continents crash together and mountains are formed. Like, is, that, is that what the Bible is claiming at here? I'm saying that that could very well be the case, but that is not at all what the Bible is claiming in any clear way here in this passage. It could be, it couldn't be. We're not going there because that's not here, all right? So uh, just going to throw that out there. Also, when it comes to geology in the Bible, we have to go further than Genesis 1. And the reason why we have to go further than Genesis 1 is because the land that we see today and the, the geology that we see today on planet Earth, according to the Bible, was completely impacted by a catastrophic global worldwide flood, according to the Bible. And, and that catastrophic global worldwide flood reshaped and Im- deeply and massively impacted uh, geology. And, it, and if it is global, then it impacted geology as we look at it all around planet Earth. And so, the claims of the Bible continue when it comes to geology with the flood story. And I'm only going to read some selected parts of the flood story, only those that are connected to geology. I'm, I'm cutting out a lot of the flood story, but things that are pertinent to, uh, to our study here. Starting in Genesis 7, verse 11. 
It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the sources of the vast watery depths burst open. The floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Skipping down verse 17. The flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water surged and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Then the water surged even higher on the earth, and all the high mountains under the whole sky were covered. The mountains were covered as the water surged above them more than 20 feet. Every creature perished. Those that crawl on the earth, birds, livestock, wildlife, and those that swarm on the earth as well as all mankind. Skipping down verse 24. And the water surged on the earth 150 days. Chapter 8 verse 1. God remembered Noah as well as all the wildlife and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. God caused a wind to pass over the earth. A wind. And the water began to subside. The sources of the watery depths and the floodgates of the sky were closed. And the rain from the sky stopped. The water steadily receded, steadily receded from the earth. And by the end of 150 days, the water had decreased significantly. The ark came to rest in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. The water continued to recede until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were visible. Skipping down to verse 13. In the 600 first year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the water that had covered the earth was dried up. Then... Noah removed the ark's cover and saw the surface of the ground was drying. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was dry. Okay, when it comes to the Bible and when it comes to geology, those details that we just went through are actually very, very significant. The straightforward testimony of the Bible is that there was a global, meaning worldwide, flood, that was cataclysmic, that destroyed every creature on planet Earth that's not in the ark or some of the sea creatures. We're talking of a global mass extinction event that, that takes place. Plants, trees, all living things in a very short window of time. Now, <clears throat> thinking through these verses with the eyes of a geologist here, you have a few different phases in this one-year, ten-day catastrophe. And, and when it comes to the flood, you, first of all, you have this violent eruptive phase and where you have all the sources of the, the, the vast watery depths bursting over from, from underground, things bursting up and then water bursting down. Uh, these describe a violence, a destructive violence, all directions, water just coming everywhere. Now, the most baby, baby, baby version of this might be like a flash flood. I don't know if you've been in a flash flood. I have been in a flash flood. And, and instantly it's violent and there's water. It's just like everywhere. There's, there's no water and then there's water. And it's just, it's just a real shocking uh, experience to go through. The, the violence, though, of what the flood is describing is just 
ginormously more significant than that, but a flavor, flavor of this. And then after the violent eruptive phase, you have a less violent but water continuing to rise phase. You kept reading through it. It says, you know, it talk about the water continuing to rise. Um, also in a flash flood, there's the violent moment, and then it's just it's like it just keeps steadily going up and, until, it, until it's done. Uh, after that, there is the zenith. What a word. If it starts with a Z, count me in. Uh, the zenith where it says, according to the Bible, every mountain is covered at least 20 feet. At least 20 feet. Uh, now... <clears throat> I did a series on the flood in 2015 or so. You can find it on the website. You can find it on YouTube. And I showed in that series some of the geographical, geological evidences, sorry, uh, where the mountains had been covered with water in the past, where all of them had been. Um, uh, there's a picture on, I, I, I'm sorry, I should have cued that. No, back up, back, go back, back. That one, yeah. Whale fossil. Whale fossils that they discovered up in the Andes Mountains in South America. Way up at the Andes Mountains, you've got whale fossils way up high. On the top of every, every mountain range in the world, they find marine fossils. On the top of Mount Everest, they find marine fossils, sea fossils, on, on top of Mount, Mount Everest. It's a scientific fact, this is not a theory, that every mountain area on the planet has marine fossils that have been found on them and they have which means that every mountain on planet earth has been covered factually with water at some point in the past in an era where there are living sea creatures and in the case of the andes mountains as advanced as massive whales that's just fact that that that's that's what we see factually in the ground for, for us, biblically, that points us to the flood. I'm sure that other people have different explanations. In no way am I trying to say that the Bible is the only way that it is intelligently possible to interpret these facts. But, man, this fits well with the, the recounting of, of the Bible. I just want to highlight that it is, you can't fit in day three of creation into, that, into those fossil theories. Because according to the Bible, day three, although the earth was all covered with water... No sea creatures, no fossils, obviously. So we point to the flood for that. All right, anyway, so after the zenith, there is a long receding stage. And that, the long receding stage where the water is going down, and that takes months, according to the Bible here. Now, obviously, this starts off more gradual as it's just kind of going down. And then there's, there's markers where it's like, okay, now we're sitting on the top of the mountains. And now the water's still going down. And now the so water's still going down. But it's not just that the water's going down, there's a movement to the waters, because the Bible's clear, there's, there's a wind at vault. Like, the water's going down, and wind is blowing the, the, the waters uh, off the continent. It's just right there in the text. Okay, so one year, ten days. This whole process takes place in one year, ten days. Uh, not that, that long ago, the, 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 up, the, the uh, violent part, portion, and then the zenith and, and going down. That's the straightforward testimony of the Bible as it connects to geology. And so what do we want to know? We want to know, does geology prove the Bible can't be trusted in its historical facts, in its ancient, in its most ancient historical facts? Or does the testimony of the Bible also fit a possible 
and intelligent explanation of the facts we see in geology, in the dirt and rocks and stuff like that. We have been raised to understand that everything that we see has come to, to be as it is slowly over a consistent and long period of time. The Bible says no. The Bible says it, this happened quickly and violently and in, and in one year and ten days, uh, the geology of planet Earth was completely reshaped. Every bit of dirt on planet Earth has been impacted by the global flood. 4,374 years ago or so. Okay. So what are the facts? When we look at the earth through the eyes of a geologist, what are some things that we see? Well, let's start with the geologic column. So you can put the, that back up on the screen. The geologic column. Something that you're probably familiar with. Horizontal rock layers. Sometimes they're slanted, which are generally assumed to represent long eras of time. Uh, older eras near the bottom, newer eras further up, and the theory goes that each layer takes a long time to form, often millions of years to form. And, and again, that's a theory. There are some issues with that theory, but to be fair, there's always issues with something, and we're not going to talk about the issues such as um, erosion or things like that. What we're going to talk about, though, is just the simple observation that no one has ever observed the forming of a, of a, of a geologic layer over millions of years of time, right? I don't, that's not weird to say. Like, nobody's observed that because that, over millions of years. So the question is, can, can geologic layers be formed over millions of years? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, I, I don't know. We haven't seen it, but maybe. Other question is, do we know of any other way that geologic layers can be formed, specifically quickly, uh, quickly in a short period of time? And yes, we have definitely seen this. Uh, geological layers, they're a fact, they're everywhere. Also a fact, uh, the, the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980, an event I witnessed with my own eyes. I lived in that area, I was there. Yes, I was alive in 1980. Uh, shout out to all four of us who were. Uh, so I uh, so, uh, was there, and, and I remember this. I remember the, I remember the, the moment very vividly. Uh, we, we were discovered in this, in this explosion in 1980 that we do not need millions of years to form geological layers, but that geological layers can be formed in hours. In fact, we discovered it took only three hours to form 200 geological layers. What happened with Mount, with Mount St. Helens is there was an eruption and the glaciers melted. And that quickly melted glaciers, uh, the water just rushed down the mountain, it rushed down the side, uh, lots of water rushing and, 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 and getting full of sediment and, and picking up things, destroying the land, carving up land, carving new, new canyons in, in just minutes, um, just reshaping the landscape, moving um, lakes from, uh, to different places, um, swirling around. And in, in just a brief period of time as, that, uh, as these melted glaciers eventually started slowing down, as they swirled and started to settle, 200 geological layers are formed in a three-hour period of time. That is a very similar context, although much, 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 much smaller scale than what we would be talking about when it comes to a global worldwide flood as described in the Bible. 
The crossover is as the floodwaters recede from the surface of the land and, and, and as, as it's filled with the sediment from all the upheaval, you would expect a much bigger scale thing of what we've witnessed with Mount St. Helens in 1980. And, and where the, the water would go down, you would expect quickly carved canyons, rapidly formed geological layers as the water with the wind uh, blowing it along uh, swirls and, and as it recedes over a period of months. That's what we would expect to see geological layers being formed relatively quickly in that exact context. Now, many scientists believe that geological layers are formed slowly over time. That is a theory. What we know, what we know is that geological layers can and have been formed quickly in catastrophic water-based events. We know that. It's a fact. So you don't need thousands of years to make a geological layer. You just need a lot of receding water, dropping sediment, moving around as it washes out to sea. So there's those geologic layers. In those layers, as you know, are lots of fossils. We, we, we talk about the, the fossils in the, in the geologic layers all the time. Again, this greatly supports the idea of a global worldwide flood, but we're not necessarily pushing that at this moment, although it feels like I am coming out hearing my own voice. What I want to say is, it's very hard to form fossils. I think we might underestimate the exact context that it takes to form fossils. There's not many fossils being formed in our world today. It's, it's a pretty rare, uh, rare phenomenon. Most of the time, um, if, if an animal dies, it does not fossilize. It, it rots or another animal eats it or, or whatever. Fossils are not formed slowly over time by normal, in normal contexts. They're not formed slowly over time in normal contexts. In order for a fossil to be made, this requires a huge a dynamic, watery catastrophe with certain chemicals present. There has to be certain chemicals because the chemicals are going to replace the bone. It, has, it, it takes a very specific context for, this to for fossilization to happen. Now, the Bible doesn't just describe the rains coming down, but also the, the depths opening up. And, and these, the, the, the stuff coming up from under the ground, uh, which would be launching into the, the water, into the seas, into the floods, um, all, all the right chemicals for fossilization to, to, to occur. As a thinking person, knowing, number one, knowing it is possible in situations like a receding flood for many geological layers to be formed, and two, knowing it takes a huge, dynamic water catastrophe to make fossils, if, if you have lots of geological layers with fossils in a row, one intelligent possible conclusion could be that a single water catastrophe laid down lots of layers, including things that had been living creatures that were now being fossilized by the same chemicals in the same aquatic event, in the same water-based event, especially if, if many, 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 many animals died, like all of them, except for the ones on, on the boat. That would be an intelligent, possible conclusion to the facts in the ground. I'm not saying there are not other possible solutions, but that one fits with the science. 
Okay, so let's talk about the forming of, of canyons. How long did it take to form the Grand Canyon? There's only one honest, good scientific answer for that question. How long did it take to form the Grand Canyon? That depends on how much water and how fast it's going. That's the only answer that you can give to that question. How long did it take to form the Grand Canyon? How much water, how fast is it going? Huge canyons can be formed in hours or days just depending on the quantity of the water, the speed of the water, and, and, and what's going on. Now, um, obviously, in the context of a global worldwide flood, you have plenty of waters for anything. And it's being blown off the land by God. You've got plenty of, of speed and, and, and rate for, for anything to happen that would fit that kind of context. But anyways, we know that, that canyons can be formed quickly. A few years ago, I was in eastern Washington with my dad, and we came across this canyon here on the screen behind me. It was formed in days, not months, uh, not years, days at the end of the Ice Age. Now, I'm not talking about Ice Age, but it has come to my attention that we have, uh, we, we're not all clear about what an Ice Age is. An Ice Age is not planet Ice Cube. That's not what an Ice Age is. The Ice Age, when we talk about an Ice Age, we're talking about the polar caps are much larger than what they are today, but not completely covering the whole of the planet. So, at the greatest extent of the Ice Age, according to Science, uh, you've got, I mean, I snapped this from the book. This is just, uh, this is not part of the message, but, but you've got the, the ice sheet coming way down into North America and an awful non-Scotland-centric version of this European map over here where Scotland's even off the top. I am insulted. Uh, I say reprint that thing. Um, but yeah, where the ice is coming down into Northern Europe. The areas of the Bible where, where you're, you're talking about the, the stories of the Bible and the events of the Bible, Babylon and, and Mesopotamia and the development of civilization in that area, always unaffected by Ice Age. No Ice Age. Abraham is fine. Woolly mammoths up north, not so fine, right? That, that's, that, that's it. So again, uh, Scotland can be reshaped. That's fine. Uh, thank you. It, it looks beautiful, Ice Age and Jesus. Um, anyways. So, uh, Ice Age happens, and it's be, uh, receding. Go to the next slide here, back to the canyon story here with the map. So you can see there's an ice dam, right, uh, in, in Montana, and it blocks off this massive, massive, massive amounts of water, but as the ice is receding, eventually it breaks, it bursts, and water comes rushing through the Pacific Northwest, um, you can see the, the, I don't know, let's call it brownish uh, area there, and carving beautiful canyons and laying down geological layer after geological layer after geological layer in just a very short period of time as that water rushes out ultimately to, to the sea. The, 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 the recession of the global flood waters described in the Bible is perfect. It's, it's perfect uh, like perfectly perfect for what we know on how canyons can be formed quickly, on what we know how geological layers can be formed quickly with just lots of water on the move, dropping sediment as it rushes out to the sea. Just as the Bible describes. I, I wish I had time, uh, which makes one of us, to say more about 
Uh, folding uncracked geological layers, that is very significant when it comes to the study of geology and the need for water and flood, flood areas. Or fossils that are in multi uh, different strata layers, different geological layers. That continues to point to one watery event where fossilization is occurring and multiple layers of, uh, are being laid down. Okay, I'm not saying that the flood is the only explanation for all these things, but I'm saying when we look at the facts of science, it fits perfectly with the claims of the Bible. There could be other claims, other theories, but we're not being proven wrong thus far. Another thing, fourthly, sedimentary rock. This is literally a rock from the Paisley building. From the side of the Paisley building, right? Um, sedimentary rock. Uh, sandstone is a sedimentary rock. Limestone is another type of sedimentary rock that's more chemically uh, processed and, and put together. But sedimentary rock is, is rocks where they used to be sediment. And this one is on its way back to sediment again. It's a little, oh yeah. Uh, little pieces, little bits and that, that have settled and have come together and been fused together either chemically, like in the case of limestone, or uh, sediment, like sandstone like this, uh, just compressed together and fused together. Uh, sedimentary rock is fused together underwater. Underwater. Many scientists would say sedimentary rock is only formed underwater. There are a few scientists that point to one, maybe two locations on planet Earth where they wonder if some sedimentary rock was formed by wind and air pressure, but they are a minority, but that view does exist. The primary, the, but everyone agrees that most, 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 most all of the sedimentary rock, if not all, is formed underwater. The surface of planet Earth and all of the continents, 75% of the land is covered with sedimentary rock in some places up to 10 miles deep. Lots of sedimentary rock. If you ask anybody, tell me, how did we get so much sedimentary rock? Not volcanic rock, not rock, rock, rock. I mean, they're all rocks. Uh, sedimentary rock specifically, this kind of rock, the only plausible story out there from scientists or whatever, is the idea of the world being covered with water and the, the flood story to, to explain how we have so much, so, so much sedimentary rock on planet Earth, on, on dry land. My flat is made out of sandstone and other things and love. And the church buildings are made out of, Glasgow is made out of sandstone. When I look around this place, I see this ancient testimony. I see this ancient testimony of this idea of the wor earth being covered with water and, and forming uh, and, and shaping the rocks and the, the, the geological structures that we see on earth today. We could talk, and we won't, about the continental shelf off of the, 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 going into the sea. It's not supposed to be shaped like it is. It's supposed to just go down like this. But instead, it gradually goes out and then it drops off. And the, the, the only... No, I'm sure that other people have explanations. One in, of the major intelligent explanations of this is as if a whole bunch of water had washed out to sea and t carried a lot of sediment with it that was deposited off the, the shore, the, the coasts, 
until it gradually uh, went off. Yikes. All that to say is, <laughs> when I look at the facts of geology, when I look at the earth as it is, when I look at what we, what we see uh, in, in geology, uh, I, I look and I see that the straightforward testimony of the Bible, specifically pointing to the global worldwide flood, I see it as a perfect fit for what we see. I'm not saying that geology proves the Bible right, meaning everything else is proven wrong. I'm not saying that. But if we want to have intellectual integrity, no matter what our views are of all of this, we have to admit that geology definitely does not prove the Bible wrong as it is read straightforward. The facts in the ground sit excellently with the testimony of the Bible. Now, when it comes to the timeline of planet Earth, millions, billions of years old or, or not, a global worldwide flood makes the assessment of, of the timeline of the Earth impossible from a geological point of view. We're going to have to look at other sciences when it comes to that. In a few weeks, we're going to look at the science of horology, which is the science of time, and we will talk about how we come up to dates when it comes to uh, rocks. Rocks. Uh, and, and how we, we come up with that. But anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that, that further. I have a book recommendation for you. Geeks like me. Uh, the, here we go. This, this, book, uh, this was not a book that was part of my study for this. But I, I just bought it impulsively because it looked beautiful. And, uh, and, and, and actually... It is both beautiful and brilliant. I, I, I just find it a, if, a great introduction to geol geology from a uh, point of view of cre creation. Now, if you're looking at that book and you're like, whoa, slanted, that author has an agenda. There's a creationist. Look, every author has an agenda. Every teacher has an agenda. It would be hypocrisy to go book burning because they have an agenda, especially in the area of science and geology. If you have a longer, uh, an older thing, you're writing from that agenda. If you're a creationist, if you were educated as somebody with believing in an old earth, it might be very interesting to read the same facts through the eyes of someone like Michael. Michael J. Ord. Uh, it's a fun book. Oh, friends. The Bible begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible said that dry land appeared on day three, about 6,026 years ago. And that the earth was completely, catastrophically decimated by the global worldwide flood about 4,374 years ago or so. Does geology prove that the Bible cannot be true? Does geology prove that the earth is millions and billions of years old? No. No, it doesn't, doesn't prove that. So far, the facts of geology fit very comfortably uh, with the straightforward testimony of the Bible. Next week, somehow, we are going to talk about biology. Biology. But for now, the challenge is, is simply this. Reread the Genesis flood story, especially after going through it like this. Reread it, look at it. Genesis uh, 6, 9 through 8, 20, 22. Hmm. Let me pray for us, family.
God, I love your word. And I love, uh, I, I love how you have written and preserved this testimony through the ages. God, all of us in this room, what we want is what is true. All of us, God, want to believe what is truly true. Whatever that is, instruct us in that way. Uh, Open our minds to perceive what is truly, truly true. So that we may uh, understand this life and this world and this planet as, uh, as it truly is. God, I just pray for uh, just a sense of harmony and peace and, and family in, in this room, in this study, that we would be able to listen to each other and encourage one another and, and love your word and just the great gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Uh, thank you for returning. And thank you for even the very first words of the Bible and their clarity. Help us as we grapple with this together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.